you find yourself needing to learn more about D&D. What do you do? I cast Pond! Welcome to iCast Pod, a D&D podcast about creating characters, taking chances, rolling dice, and having fun. I'm Mike, your DM and guide to all things Dungeon-esque and Dragony. In this episode, we're talking about tieflings, paladins, goblins, hermits, Red Nose Day, and other podcasts too. Heard any good rumours lately? Between the 18th and 20th of June, Wizards of the Coast are doing a series of live play D&D events called D&D Live, Roll with Advantage, with various celebrities DMing and playing, including Deborah Ann Wall, Felicia Day, Brian Pazane, Amy Acker, Janina Gavankar, Matthew Lillard, David Harbour, Brandon Routh, and more to help Red Nose Day. And apologies to anybody whose name I massacred there. Wizard of the Coasts are also creating a special adventure called Return to the Glory, available via the DM's Guild, as well as Event Apparel, showing a snowy owlbear with a red nose, and a way to participate remotely through their live event, event portal, with proceeds going to Comic Relief US and the Red Nose Day Fund. Find a link in the show notes. Off to the races! Tieflings. Originally introduced to D&D in the Planescape setting, tieflings were described as a mix of human and... something else implying that they had heritage that originated in the Lower Plains, which were evil. Tieflings were said to be descended from fiends, but because their ancestral evil was many generations ago, they are not classed as half-fiends. This was changed in 4th edition, so that now their ancestors made a bargain with devils to increase their power. They get their name from the German tief, meaning deep or low, and the suffix ing, as in offspring. German also has another connected word, Teufel, meaning devil, which may also have contributed. Tieflings are generally maligned in society due to their infernal heritage. Descended from a pact that happened generations ago where the essence of Asmodeus, overlord of the Nine Hells, was infused into their bloodline in order to make him a racial god and ensure he had enough followers to gain godly powers. They carry vestiges of this demonic ancestry in their physical appearance, with large prehensile tails that curl around their legs when they get nervous, extended canine teeth, and pupilless eyes of solid colour, usually black, red, white, silver, or gold. The most noticeable of their anatomical differences from humans is a set of horns on their heads. Their horns come in a variety of colours and shapes. They may curl around their ears like a sheep or spiral upwards like an antelope, or any number of variants, including antlers on those descended from Beshaba. Some tieflings, whose heritage was particularly strong, could have forked tongues, leathery or scaly skin, cloven hooves, a sulfurous or brimstone odour about them, and unusually warm flesh. Speaking of flesh, their skin tones include the same range of tones as humans, but also various shades of red. Generally, tieflings are not supposed to be blue, like Laura Bailey's character Jester from the second season of Critical Role, but D&D being the game it is, we can take it, turn it over, and make it into whatever we want it to be. There are even tieflings descended from Rakasha, 
a race of duplicitous outsiders, devious sorcerers, and malevolent manipulators that have feline eyes or furred skin. In terms of tiefling hair, usually, that grows around their horns and is commonly black or else other dark tones like brown, dark red, deep blue, or purple. Tieflings often live in human cities and towns, in small minorities. Treated as a subclass, in the political sense of the word class, by humans and most other races, tieflings are often relegated to the poorer and rougher parts. This treatment often becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and tieflings often turn to crime in order to support themselves as due to their baleful appearance they are often shunned, especially by superstitious commoners. And this can make it difficult to earn an honest living. People will generally not buy from a tiefling merchant, fearing curses or just being swindled. Occasionally, tieflings rise to become crime lords in their area. Sometimes they live among other minorities where their plight might find empathy. In any case, life for a tiefling might not always be a happy one. Some parents of tieflings whose features were particularly demonic might kill their child or it might be killed by frightened villagers who fear its presence might blight their crops or make their livestock sick. Tieflings often don't have the usual upbringing most human children enjoy, but are intelligent and capable warriors naturally, with a dark and seductive demeanour. Growing up, they become aware of their different nature early on, usually by derision at the hands of others. Despite this maltreatment, they don't all naturally gravitate towards evil as expected, but instead span the gamut between the extremes of good and evil, usually falling somewhere in between, much like their human counterparts. Often proud, self-reliant, usually by necessity, slow to trust and secretive, the latter trait only adding to their mistrust by others which might be seen as enjoying their privacy in other races. Indeed, Most tiefling traits can be viewed through the lens of prejudice or seen as normal traits in a race of people who had little involvement in where they came from. With no homeland, tieflings have to ingratiate themselves into society in general and know that they will have to make their way in the world on their own. Once you have shown you trust a tiefling, they can become a lifelong friend and ally. Tieflings are generally carnivores with bone marrow considered a particular delicacy although that probably does little for their reputation. Stat block. Tieflings gain a plus one to intelligence and a plus two to charisma. Tieflings age at the same rate as humans, but typically live 20 to 40 years longer. The size is medium, their speed is 30 feet, and they have dark vision to 60 feet. They have resistance to fire damage. They have an infernal legacy feature, which means they know the thaumaturgy cantrip. At third level, they can cast Hellish Rebuke as a second level spell once between long rests. At fifth level, they can cast Darkness once per long rest. They use Charisma as the spell casting ability for these spells. And their languages are common and infernal. You so classy. Paladin. Paladins are sometimes referred to as white knights, cavaliers or holy warriors. Their closest parallel in the real world is probably the Knights Templar, the famous holy warrior knights from history. Paladins are typically clad in plate armour, brandishing a large sword and shield. They value virtue, nobility and honour. 
Paladins are bound by powerful oaths to uphold justice and righteousness against the dark forces of evil throughout the world. A common misconception about paladins is that their sacred power comes only from the deity or deities they serve, when in actual fact it comes just as much from their devotion to justice. Training for years, paladins master a variety of weapons and armour, but those martial skills pale in comparison to the divine magical power they wield. Paladins have powers to heal, to protect the innocent and the just, and to vanquish evil and the undead wherever they may linger. Paladins are born to the adventuring life, persistently seeking out evil in the darker parts of the world, driven by a lust for justice that borders on, and some would say crosses the threshold into, zealotry. Even though a paladin may be in service to a monarch or country, they consider that allegiance secondary to their cause of righteousness, as they believe that every victory against evil, no matter how small, can help tip the scales in the favour of goodness and help save the world from darkness and oblivion. A paladin is often a good choice for a starting player who is a little unsure of what they want to do in terms of team role. A paladin is a half-caster, so players get to dabble in magic both offensively and defensively, as well as getting stuck into the action as a melee fighter, while their plate armour soaks up damage, allowing paladins to tank for the team, while the squishy casters, wizards, sorcerers and warlocks, used ranged spells to take down foes, or rangers and rogues flank enemies for advantageous positions and for sneak attacks, etc. The first thing to think about when creating a paladin is the nature of your holy quest. By third level, which arrives pretty quickly, the features related to your oath will be available and you should be planning for this. In fact, I'd go so far as to say that when creating any character you should be thinking of third and even fifth level features from the outset. Go through the oath features to see what sort of playing style you prefer. Also, think about where your paladin has come from and their journey to this point. Remember, a level 1 adventurer would still stand above your average soldier, fighter or mercenary in terms of their level of skill and expertise. You are playing a hero character after all. Were they a knight errant? A leader of armies? A personal guard to the crown or even an advisor on matters of war? You could even be a lone swordsman driven to fight evil out of a need for revenge. Which god or gods do you serve? Popular choices include Torm, god of courage and self-sacrifice, Tyr, god of justice, Hieronius, god of chivalry and valour, Paladine, god of rulers and guardians, Kirijolith, god of honour and war, Bahamut, the platinum dragon god of good, the silver flame, deity of protection and good, and various others. Paladins are also set apart by their calling to fight for good. How did you receive your calling? Was it written in letters of fire in the sky? Did you witness the destruction of a place of innocence and pledge yourself to ensuring it never happened again on your watch? Did an angel witness your deeds and bring word that you were chosen? Or did another paladin see a spark in you that they nurtured into a flame of righteous indignation against the wicked and damned? Paladin quick builds favour strength, followed by charisma, then choosing the noble background. See last episode for more info on nobles. As a paladin, you can sense the presence of evil, almost like a vile odour in the air. Conversely, the presence of powerful good also affects you, 
as if notes of a heavenly choir were ringing out. You can use an action to detect such presences, and until the end of your next turn, you know the location of any celestial, fiend, or undead within 60 feet of you, as well as its type, restricted to those mentioned, but not its identity. So, for example, you would know if Count von Strad was around, but not that it was Count von Strad. You can also detect the presence of any consecrated or desecrated place within the same radius. You can use this feature a number of times equal to your charisma modifier, plus one between long rests. You can also lay on hands to heal from a pool of healing power, restoring hit points to yourself during a long rest equal to your paladin level times five, or, as an action, to a character up to the amount available in the pool. You can also spend five hit points from the pool to cure a target of one disease or neutralise one poison affecting it. You can also cure multiple diseases and or neutralise multiple poisonings on a character with a single use of laying on hands, spending hit points separately for each instance. This feature may not be used on undead or constructs. At second level, you adopt a fighting style from... Defense, which gives a plus one to armor class. Dueling, which gives a plus two to damage rolls with a single equipped weapon provided you wield no others. Great weapon fighting, which while wielding a two-handed or versatile weapon, you can re-roll a one or two on an attack roll, but must use the new roll. Or protection. If a creature you can see attacks an ally within five feet of you, you can impose disadvantage on the roll using a reaction but you must have a shield equipped. You also get the ability Divine Smite, which allows you to add radiant damage on top of weapon damage expending a spell slot. The extra damage is 2d8 for a first level spell and an extra 1d8 for each spell level above first to a maximum of 5d8. The damage increases by 1d8 if the enemy is undead or a fiend. At third level, you are immune to diseases and you take your sacred oath, which allows you to channel divine energies, granting new features unique to each oath type. Oaths include Oath of Devotion. These are the White Knights of Legend, held to the highest standards. You must not lie or cheat. Your word is your bond. You must never be too afraid to act. You must protect the weak and punish their oppressors, albeit tempered with mercy and wisdom. You should be an example of honour, treating others fairly, doing the most good and the least harm. This oath grants you access to the spells protection from evil and good. Not sure why you would need protection from good, but it's there for you if you need it. Sanctuary, lesser restoration, zone of truth, beacon of hope, dispelling magic and more at higher levels. You can also channel divinity, allowing you to turn the unholy or bless your weapon imbuing it with positive energy, meaning you add your charisma modifier to attack rolls with that weapon. The weapon also emits a bright light in a 20-foot radius and a dim light for a further 20 feet. This ends after a minute, or as part of an action, or if you are no longer holding or carrying the weapon, or if you fall unconscious. Oath of the Ancients This oath closely mirrors the tenets of Druids. Paladins of this oath are often called Green Knights, Fey Knights or Horned Knights. To swear this oath means you must kindle the light of hope by your acts of mercy, kindness and forgiveness. You must stand against wickedness and the enemies of good, 
love and laughter, and protect life where it flourishes. You must delight in song, beauty and art, and you should personify the light of joy with your bearing and deeds. This oath gives you the spells Ensnaring Strike, Speak with Animals, Misty Step, Moonbeam, Plant Growth, Stone Skin and more. Your channel divinity options are Nature's Wrath, which invokes primeval forces to ensnare foes with grasping spectral vines, and Turn the Faithless, which involves an incantation that fae and fiends find painful to hear. The Oath of Vengeance This oath commits you to punish those who commit atrocities against others that classifies as a grievous sin, righting wrongdoings against the innocent and the helpless. It may involve stopping a rampaging dragon, a marauding warband, or a people who have turned against the will of the gods. These paladins are a bit like Batman, dark avengers of justice, less concerned with their own purity than with calling evil to task. You must choose to fight the greater evil. You do not meter out justice with mercy. You defeat your sworn foes by any means necessary and help those affected by their misdeeds. This oath grants you the spells Bane, Hunter's Mark, Hold Person, Misty Step, Banishment and more. Your channel divinity options are Abjure Enemy, which frightens foes who fail a wisdom saving throw within 60 feet as you present your holy symbol and chant a prayer of denunciation. Frightened creatures have a speed of zero and don't benefit from any speed bonuses. A saved throw means that this creature's speed is halved. Both last for a minute. You also have a vow of enmity giving you advantage on attack rolls against a creature you can see within 10 feet for one minute or until it drops to zero hit points. The Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide expands the oaths list to include the Oath of the Crown, dedicating the Paladin to serving society and the just laws that bind it together. Spells include Command, Compelled Duel, Warding Bond, Spirit Guardian and more. Channel Divinity options are Champion Challenge, which compels other creatures to enter into battle with you, and Turn the Tide, which bolsters creatures that can hear you within 30 feet, allowing them to regain hit points equal to 1d6 plus your Charisma modifier. Xanatha's Guide to Everything further adds the Oath of Conquest and the Oath of Redemption. The Oath of Conquest, these paladins seek not only glory in battle, but the complete subjugation of their enemies, crushing the forces of chaos and evil underfoot. Sometimes called Night Tyrants or Ironmongers, some even consort with the powers of the Nine Hells. The Archdevil Bell, the Warlord of Avernus, counts many of this type of paladin as his followers. Conquest tenets include breaking their opponent's will and crushing all hope, ruling with an iron fist, and might makes right. Spells include Armour of Agathis, Spiritual Weapon, Bestow Curse, Fear, Dominate Beasts, and Person, and more. Channel Divinity options are Conquering Presence, which forces each creature of your choice within 30 feet to become frightened of you for one minute on a failed wisdom save, and Guided Strike, that allows you to gain a plus 10 on an attack roll that after you see the roll but before the DM says whether or not it hits or misses. The Oath of Redemption makes this type of paladin use violence only as a last resort, which can be a very difficult path for an adventurer of any type to follow. 
These paladins try to turn foes into allies, believing anyone can be redeemed, provided they are not inherently evil, like devils, fiends, demons and the undead, who they apparently have free reign to smite as they see fit. The tenets of the redeemers are peace, innocence, setting people on the path to righteousness as early as possible by example, patience and wisdom. Spells include sanctuary, sleep, calm emotions, counterspell, hold monster and more. Channel divinity options are emissary of peace which grants you a plus five to persuasion charisma checks for 10 minutes and rebuke the violent. When an attacker within 30 feet deals damage to a creature other than you, you can use your reaction to force the attacking creature to make a wisdom saving throw. On a fail, the creature takes radiant damage equal to the damage it dealt. On a save, it takes half damage. Background check. Hermit. As a hermit, you've lived a life of peaceful seclusion, away from the hubbub of city life. Perhaps you've lived in a monastery or other communal gathering, living the simple life, your main concerns being getting food and water and retiring to your thoughts of an evening. Or maybe you were exiled for some heinous crime, forced to live out your days in solitude, your previous society having turned its back on you. Perhaps you prefer the company of beasts and creatures to the constant chattering of the masses and sought out a life among the glades and dells of the world, your faithful beast companion by your side like Drizzt and Guinevar. Perhaps you have a personal quest that requires you to live apart from the clamour of cities and settlements, maybe seeking the hidden places of the world to learn their secrets. Work with your DM to figure out the reason for your seclusion or use the table in the player's handbook. The hermit background can be used for all sorts of characters, but druids, monks, rogues and even clerics can weave this into a character's overall backstory easily. As a hermit, you get the discovery feature. Your time in seclusion has led to a great discovery. It might be some great truth about the universe, or inside knowledge of the gods and their ways, or a greater affinity with nature and its forces, or even access to a hidden and secret places. Maybe you've discovered a long-lost civilization and spoken to them, learning ancient and long-dead magics. Perhaps your search brought forth relics or objects of arcane power, or maybe you discovered something nefarious about the leaders of your former society that led to your exile. Have you adapted well to your situation or railed against it? Do you love the peaceful quiet or despise the lonely hours? Are you calm and serene, having achieved a zen-like state? Do you spend your time in study of something? Have you forgotten the airs and graces of social living or been driven slightly mad by the lack of contact? Do you sometimes forget words that you haven't used in a long time? Stat block. As a hermit, you have proficiencies in both medicine and religion. Tools is a herbalism kit. Languages is one of your choice. Your equipment includes a scroll case stuffed full of your study or prayer notes, a winter blanket, a set of common clothes, a herbalism kit and five gold pieces. Alternatives to Hermit include Outlander, if you'd prefer to play as someone who is more of a wilderness recluse, or an Acolyte, if you're playing a monk or cleric for the religious angle. Monster Menagerie Goblins 
Got a bunch of first level players? Want a fun monster to throw at them? Why not try goblins? Goblins are small humanoids that are almost universally hated by both adventurers and monsters alike. Often pressed into servitude by their larger cousins, hobgoblins or bugbears, goblins are seen as lazy, undisciplined, selfish and hateful, sometimes even among their own kind. Goblins are generally motivated by greed, spite or malice, taking great pleasure in generally being pretty horrid to anything and anyone who crosses their path. They take delight in torturing creatures they best in combat. Despite their constant disagreements, goblins are social creatures and it's rare you'll come across one that's alone. Individually, goblins are pretty weak, and knowing this, they congregate in large numbers to give them an advantage in numbers for what their puny forms lack in raw power. Goblins tend to live in dank and fetid places, caves, abandoned mines and dungeons. They set multiple traps and alarms to signal intruders, and bolster these defences with small tunnels and bolt holes that nothing larger than a goblin can fit down, allowing them to escape or flank enemies with ease. Goblins crave power, and are either ruled by the strongest or smartest among them, or else by other larger creatures as mentioned previously. A goblin boss will likely command a single lair, whereas a goblin king or queen might rule over several tribes across multiple lairs, although in reality a king or queen is merely a glorified boss. Bosses live in constant threat of treachery from others in the tribe, in part because they have a tendency to abuse power once it has been taken, and infighting is common. Bosses may be ousted by other goblins without warning, and either kept in line and as, as an example of the new leader's superiority, or else killed outright. Goblins have an affinity with rats and wolves, keeping the former as pets and the latter as mounts, riding into battle and utilising hit-and-run tactics due to their lack of bravery, unless surrounded by their own kind. Goblins tend to eschew sunlight and prefer to sleep in their lairs during the day. This can be advantageous for the adventurer wanting to creep through a lair, or else eradicate a goblin nest entirely. Often clad in simple rags and crude metal armour that usually involves spikes, bone trinkets or other trophies, goblins tend to favour simple weapons as well. Bone clubs, iron swords or scimitars, and short bows and the like are all goblin staples of battle. Being the vicious little creatures they are, they will happily bash you over the head with anything that's handy, including unattached limbs, rocks, or whatever they can lay their hands on. Stat block. Goblins are small humanoids, goblinoids, and are neutral evil. They have an AC of 15, often comprising of leather, armour, and a shield. They have 7 hit points, or 2d6, and a speed of 30 feet. They have a plus 6 to stealth. They have dark vision to 60 feet and a passive perception of 9. They speak common and goblin. They have a challenge rating of a quarter with 50 XP and they can disengage or hide as a bonus action on each turn. With their scimitar they have a plus 4 to hit. It's melee range, 1 target and they do 5 or 1d6 plus 2 slashing damage. With a short bow, it's a ranged attack with plus 4 to hit, 80 to 320 feet range, 1 target, and 5 or 1d6 plus 2 piercing damage. Goblin bosses have a few differences. They have a 17 armour class, 
and 21 hit points, and a challenge rating of 1 awarding 200 XP. They can attack, multi-attack with scimitars. The second strike is at disadvantage. They also have a javelin. Lastly, goblin bosses can redirect attacks. If it can see a, t- a creature targeting it, it swaps places with another goblin within 5 feet of it and that goblin becomes the target instead. Sneaky little bugger. Lore Academy. This episode, there's no Lore Academy due to me being busy creating a new podcast with my wife called Stories of Strangeness. This second podcast is going to be on all kind of things weird and wonderful, including cryptids, aliens, unexplained aerial phenomena, mysteries, ghosts, hauntings, and the like. If it's weird, we're into it. Uh, basically, anything Fortean will be going into it. We're going to be doing episodes on Black Shook, Nikola Tesla, uh, remote viewing, Mothman, and more. The first episode is already out, and it's available on Apple Podcasts, as well as probably now, by now in your favorite podcast player app. So go give it a listen. Also, I want to give a shout out to Jared of the Ignorant Dreams of a Rookie DM podcast. He featured this show on his Instagram as part of his Sidekick of the Week feature. Jared puts out some great content on his show, which is geared towards helping new DMs find their feet. So go check it out now. And that's it for today's episode. Thanks very much for listening. If you'd like to get in touch, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Tell me what you think is working or what's not working about the podcast. I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at icastpod at gmail.com. You can join the Discord server to tell me what you think. Uh, Check the show notes for the link. Or you can find me on Twitter or Instagram as at iCastPod. I create all the content you see and hear on the show and social media, except for some of the sound effects which come from Sirenscape, because great games require great sounds. Check the show notes for the link. If you'd like to help support the show, there are ways to do that. Firstly, subscribe to the show. Secondly, leave us a review on iTunes if you're a user. Or why not go all the way and sign up for an account just to leave us a review if you like. Reviews there really help the show get heard by new fans. Until next time, my friends, may Timora bless your endeavours. See ya!